Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Great to see you. Glad you're here. Um, was, that, was that not great, all that good singing to God? I just love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so thankful for uh, our church. People ask me sometimes, do you, do you like your church? And I say, well, Yeah. Have you heard our band? And uh, man, let's just do that, all that, everything all over again. Just yeah, come on back, everybody, and we'll sing it all over again. Goodness gracious, that's good. You've heard me say this before, but there was an, an elderly man in our church when things were really good in church. He'd sometimes say, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. <clears throat> so, okay. We... Uh, uh, I want to talk to you uh, this morning and next Sunday about heaven. Uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Harry Smith, who's been in heaven for many, many years, uh, used to say about himself uh, something that's true for me. He said, most of the sermons that I preach, most of the messages that I bring on Sundays, most of the, uh, the talks that I give could be uh, called uh, in in the meanwhile sermons, or in the here and now sermons. It's how Jesus helps us uh, face life today. Um, But I realized it had been a long time since I'd opened the Bible and talked to you about the hope of heaven. Now, that might say, oh, so we're not going to talk about something that helps us today. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. In fact, there, there are those who have... Uh, will say famously from time to time in print and in person, all you Christians are so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You ever heard that? Sure, sure you have. Only problem with that, that's not true if you study history. If you'll study the history of Christians over the last 2,000 years, you will find, at least in the Western world that we know of, and I would say in all hemispheres, that the people who have contributed the most to the common good of all human beings on the planet in here and now have been those who have been the most heavenly minded. You do your own study. You'll find that's true. You'll find that's true. So if you want to be a help to people in this world, spend some time focusing on the next. It'll turn you into the kind of person who is a blessing here and now. Well, I want to talk to you about heaven uh, today and then next Sunday. And, I, and from the start, I want to I challenge you, if you have never done so intentionally, maybe you just never thought about it this way, but I want you to think about it this way. I challenge you to set for yourself the powerful goal of going to heaven. Make it a goal. Make it, a, make it an, a, a, an intent. Make it intentional that you are intentionally planning when you leave this world to go to heaven. I want you to do that. The Apostle Paul had that as his goal. He spoke to it powerfully. Uh, the, the greatest theologian who's ever lived recorded in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 14. Here's what he said. I strain to reach the end of the race... And receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, that's how it happens, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. And King Solomon, at the end of his life, 
after living a long life and uh, he recorded in his journal that became scripture called the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 verse 11 he penned these words he speaking of God has also set eternity in the hearts of men or in the hearts of mankind now what he what he means here is this that God created human beings uh, women and men girls and boys uh, with a sense that this life is not all there is. Worldwide, down through history, human beings have had this intuitive sense that this life is not all there is. And again, Solomon, uh, a near Asian wise man from thousands of years ago, expressed it himself on the other side of the planet in another time. God has set eternity in the hearts of people. Uh, there's this sense. Uh, from time to time, we will hear of, of people who say, well, I think I'm a naturalist. I think this is all there is. Uh, obviously, and some of you may be naturalists, and you believe that uh, in, intentionally. But naturalists, true naturalists, that think this life is all there is, have been an incredibly small pers- part of 1% of all humanity who've ever lived in any society at any point in history. God has placed eternity, this, this sense that we were made for more than just life on this earth. And so this weekend, we're going to begin answering questions about heaven, um, and in particular, about the afterlife for those of us who are already believers in Jesus. Uh, And so today I want to tackle four questions. Here they are. Where is heaven? Who will be in heaven? What about babies and young children who die? Will they be in heaven? And how will I, as a believer in Christ, be judged by God when I die? So we've got a little work to do. So grab a pen, either turn on your Bible or open up your Bible and uh, grab a note sheet and uh, we're going to jump in. Let's, Let's get to work on the first question. Where is heaven? Where is heaven? So if I, uh, if I told you that there was no chance you could, you know, no danger in, in uh, uh, giving a wrong answer, and then I ask you to point to heaven, where would you point? So point with me on three. One, two, three. Yeah, some of you are chicken. You're chicken. You wouldn't raise your hand. How many of you, how many of you don't like to raise your hand in crowds? Okay, got you. <laughs> Well, you know, we would point up, not sideways, not down. We would point uh, up. And so jot this down. Heaven is up. Heaven is up. Uh, Psalm, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 123, uh, verse 1. Lord, look at it on the screen. Lord, I look up to you. I look up to heaven where you rule. Now, uh, the Bible, in some of its language, refers to three different kinds of heaven. First, second, and third heaven. Where Where the birds fly, where the trees breathe, where the rain falls, the atmosphere of the earth is referred to in the Bible as the first heaven. If you hear that in the Bible, it's, it's referring to the sky as we know it, uh, where the, the, the moon and the stars and the galaxies rotate out in space, the Bible refers to that as the second heaven. It's a physical place where God himself dwells is referred to as the third heaven. That's what we're talking about today. That third heaven is, is not, uh, it's not up in the sense that is just 
a next step beyond our solar system. Uh, The Bible actually doesn't tell us precisely where heaven is except that God is there. It does tell us this. Heaven is home. Home. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Think of home. Now, although you may have grown up in a home that was less than perfect, and some of you grew up in chaotic homes, every one of us has has in our minds a picture of a perfect home. We have it. Uh, It's a picture of deep personal fulfillment and unshakable security and rich and meaningful relationships and unending joy. Home. The Bible says heaven is home for the believer. It's God's dwelling place and the, dwe- and the final dwelling place of believers in Christ. Look at this. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3, John the Apostle, in, inspired by God, uh, God's Holy Spirit, in the vision that God gave him, saw this and he wrote these words, I heard a shout from the throne saying, Look! The home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So heaven is home. So who will be in heaven? Who will be in heaven? There's the big question. Well, in Hebrews, jot this reference down. You can look it up later. It's going to be on the screen. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says this. But you have come to Mount Zion... To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands of angels gathered together with joy. You have come to the meeting of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all people, and to the spirits of good people who have been made perfect. Now, in this passage, it tells us that in heaven we will find God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We will find angels. Now, notice that angels are different from people. Got it? Get it? So next time you're asked to give a eulogy at a funeral, don't say God needed another angel in heaven. No, he didn't. He needed another person in heaven, another people in heaven. A- people don't become angels. Angels don't become people only in the movies, <laughs> not in the Bible. So you're gonna, God is there. Angels are there. The church or all the believers in Jesus down through the ages will be there, and Old Testament believers will be there, those who looked forward in faith to the coming of a Savior will be there. So... A good way to sum it up is this. The only people who will spend eternity with God in heaven are the people who choose to do so in this life. Now, that's important. That's important. Listen to this in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, meaning Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart, that's place active trust in him that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So just think of it. 
When you tell someone the good news of the love of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished when he died on the cross in our place for our sin and rose from the dead, proving that he had the power to do so, when you tell someone of the good news of the love of Jesus for her, then you are not only offering strength for everyday living here and now, you're also offering the hope of eternity when you leave this world, when she leaves this world. And so this puts a this puts a new urgency in our hearts to share our faith with people. Uh, it puts a new urgency there. So uh, why, don't, why don't some of you who have not done so sign up for the next SHARE seminar, Class 401, uh, the SHARE seminar, Discovering Your Life Mission, Sharing the Gospel, and we'll teach you how to, how to very easily and practically and effectively share the good news of Christ with people that you know and love and like and even those you don't like. And uh, if you have completed the Belong Seminar and the Grow Seminar and the Serve Seminar, your, your, your next step is the, the Share Seminar. So sign up for that. I have, uh, Joey, in the last few months since the death of Dr. Billy Graham, I've been going back over some of his books that I own and uh, some articles that I've collected that he wrote over the years. And I came across a... Uh, this week in preparing for this talk, uh, a couple of paragraphs that he wrote about this issue. And let me read it to you. These are the words of Dr. Billy Graham. A woman who had just experienced a death in her family told me she felt such an urgency to share Christ with someone that when a repairman came to fix the furnace, she backed up against the wall and said, If that furnace had blown up in your face and you had died, would you know for certain where you would spend eternity? (laughs) The repair, Graham wrote, the repairman was so startled, he forgot to leave a bill. (laughs) So you see, there's great motivation for sharing your faith. There's even, (laughs) there's even low motives, you know, there's economic benefit uh, here. Uh, So he goes on to write, why do some people believe they have a paid ticket to heaven? They give many answers, but one can be classified with three basic attitudes. Uh, Most can be classified with three basic attitudes. The first is this. Look at what I've done on earth. My record is pretty good compared to some. I'll be in heaven because I lived such a good life. Second answer might be something like this. "I, I really don't know, and I'm not sure that I care. I gave it some thought for a while, but there were so many other things that seemed more important. A third, only one answer will give a person the certain privilege, the joy of entering heaven. And here it is. Because I have believed in Jesus and accepted him as my Savior. Again, those who will spend eternity with God in heaven are the ones who choose to do so in this life. The choice happens now. The choice happens uh, now. So, but what are, you might ask, though, well, Pastor, but what about those who die when they're still too young to choose for themselves? What about infants? What about very young children? What about some who are, uh, don't have the, the, the mental capacity to understand issues of sin and morality? They, they don't ever get to the point where they're responsible for their sin. Do they go to heaven? Well, jot this down. Yes. Yes. Yes, they do. 
although they're not old enough to even know that they have to be saved, they are kept safe by God's grace. By God's grace. Uh, Because a, a child or someone who has no capacity to understand these things, who dies before reaching that age where they can understand their need for Christ, will not be held accountable for what they cannot understand. That We say, why? Well, that would violate several things we know about God that he's told us about himself in his word. It would violate, first of all, God's justice, and then it would violate God's grace. God is just, and he is gracious. He's our living hope. Um, the, um, so although the Bible doesn't directly answer this question, what we know about, we can deduce the answer from what we know about what God says about salvation and what he says about himself. Uh, For example, first of all, the Bible says this about God. He is righteous and just and loving. He is righteous. God is just and righteous in everything he does. Take a look at the screen, Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. I mean, circle that word righteous and circle that word loving. He is righteous and loving, and he will not make any mistakes in his judgments. They will always be right. They will always be just. They will always be loving. And, uh, and also, there's another uh, indicator that babies and, and uh, young children are kept by God in heaven if they die uh, in that state. And that is uh, this, King David, who was one of the Old Testament followers of the God of the Bible, experienced the, the death of an infant. And in Second Samuel chapter 12, you can read the story. In verse 23, he says this, when questioned about his response of grief to the death of his infant son, he said, he cannot return to me but I can go to him. He will not return to me, but I can go to him. He fully expected to meet that child, that infant in heaven. Allison and I are looking forward. We have four kids in heaven we never met. We miscarried four before our daughter Leanne was born. We never saw them. So what do you think they're going to look like? I think they're going to look like those two little pretty girls that showed up later that we did get here on, on earth. Uh, They're going to be there. They're going to be there. God God keeps him. There's great hope there. Uh, There will also be uh, a judgment in heaven and a judgment of believers. Let me speak to those of you here who you've already chosen Jesus in this life so you will spend eternity with him in the next. You might say, well, how will I be judged uh, in heaven? Uh, Some of you, you know, we just finished up a school year. You know, and the, 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 uh, the educational system in our culture just really works on us, doesn't it? I still have nightmares about uh, uh, going to school and realizing I have forgot college and I forgot a class. I've been, hadn't even gone the whole semester and it's time for finals. You know, what's that about? You educators have just tortured us. That's what you've done. But uh, anyway, uh, I've discovered in, in all, especially when I got into college and into seminary, that some of my classmates were very, very, very test-oriented. Now, I don't mean you always did great on tests, but you were hyper about the test. You know, you want to 
so what's going to be on the te- when's the test and how, what about the test and how's it going to be scored and am I, anybody test oriented in here they'll admit it not many but yeah we got some good you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about okay well there are um uh, you're likely thinking this judgment in heaven, you're likely thinking, you know, this is one final exam I want to be sure to pass. Well, there, the Bible tells us of two different judgments, two different judgments. The first one is called in the scriptures, the great white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment. Now at this judgment, this is one for those who, who did not choose Jesus in this life. They've not believed in Jesus. Uh, and this is the judgment of those who do not believe in Christ. And it is where they will hear their final judgment and sentencing of separation from God's presence for eternity. This is where that will happen. That will happen. Those of you who have trusted in Christ, you won't even be here. You will not be at this judgment. You will not even be present. You know, the picture that some of us have in our minds, and usually we got, got our picture from, from grade B movies, is that there's this long line. We're going to be in this long line. or Up there somewhere are the, are the pearly gates, and we can see kind of over the, the heads of people, St. Peter is standing at the pearly gates with a clipboard. And the line snakes out to you, and then it snakes out out of sight over the horizon with people waiting. And the closer you get to the pearly gates in St. Peter, the more you say, I hope my name is on that list. I hope my name is on that list. Yeah, right? But if you've already trusted Christ, you're on the list. You're you're not even going to be there. You're not, you're not even, this, you know the picture I'm, I'm talking about here. But because of what Jesus has done for us already, uh, and because we have asked him, repented of our sin, placed our active trust in Jesus, and asked him to be our substitute, to atone for our sin, be our Savior, our forgiver, our God, our leader, uh, you, the Bible says you have already passed from death to life. It says it in John chapter 5, verse 24. The Lord Jesus himself said it this way, I'm telling you the truth. Those who hear my words and believe in him who sent me have eternal life. They will not be judged, but have passed, already passed from death to life. Now, that right there is good news. That's good news. Can I hear a collective? We're good. You're good. You're way good. Here. Uh, Now, however, so that's the great white throne judgment. You won't be there if you've already chosen Christ. Only those who've rejected him will be there, and it's a sentencing. It's not a pleasant time. There's a second judgment that the the New Testament talks about, and let's call this the Bema. B-E-M-A is the transliteration of the Greek word there, the Bema judgment. Now, the Apostle Paul speaking to the Christians in the church at Corinth of his day, uh, penned these words in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must, we Christians, he's writing to the Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, that phrase judgment seat is the translation of the one Greek word, bima. It means judgment seat. Uh, that we may receive what is due us. Now, this is not about salvation. 
It's about rewards. What rewards you will or will not get uh, in heaven. Uh, it's, it's, uh, let me illustrate it this way. I came across this story uh, from an elementary school teacher at the end of the school year. Here's what it says. It was the last day of school for the kids in a third grade classroom. The parents had joined the children and their teacher in the classroom, and it was awards day, the day that each child would be given an award for the learning they had accomplished and the character they had exhibited during that year. Mrs. Rhodes, the teacher, pulled out a stool and put it in front of the class. Each child would come one by one to sit on that chair and receive their rewards from the teacher. As she placed the stool, Mrs. Rhodes said, this is our awards chair. Actually, it is the same chair that served as our test chair for your children's final oral examination last week. But today, it is the awards chair. Now, this, let me speak to all of you Christians, all of you followers of Jesus already. This is the picture of when we stand before Jesus, when we leave this world and we stand before Jesus. We will be, first of all, we will be tested in the presence of Jesus and what we have built into our lives that do not last will be lost. What we have built into our lives that matter will be kept and uh, rewarded. Then in the presence of all, we'll be rewarded for what we have done, those things that mattered, those things that last. Uh, Every one of us will be rewarded for our faith in Christ and our service to Christ. Now again, this is not whether you are saved or not saved. That's already settled. This is about rewards. So, wow, I didn't know God rewarded us as his followers in heaven. Yep. Got it. Now, yep. I don't know. So what's that going to be like? I don't know exactly. It's kind of fantastic, though. The Bible uses some very beautiful words to describe that these words are going to be outstanding. Uh, it uses words like gold and precious, uh, precious stones. 1 Corinthians 3 gives us the clearest description in verses 10 through 15. Uh, you can look this up later. Here's what it says on the screen. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work, each believer's work. If what he himself, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Now, not his, quote, eternal reward of being in heaven. That's already settled. It's about believers' rewards for their life and service to Christ. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. I mean, there'll be some things that just don't matter in heaven. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, there's a lot here, but let me just give you three quick truths. Ready? 
Here we are. First of all, what we have built into our lives that will last will be rewarded by Christ. As believers, will be rewarded by Christ. Second, what believers have built into their lives that will not last is just lost. It's just gone. It didn't matter anyway. Third, whatever our reward or loss, our salvation is secure. Secure. And we're told in Scripture that um, believers will be rewarded for three specifics. And here they are. Our actions, our thoughts, and our words. Actions, first of all, on the screen. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. So times when we act like Jesus have eternal uh, consequences, good ones. And then we will be rewarded for our thoughts when we think with the mind of Christ. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 10, the Lord says, I the Lord search the heart and examine the mind, your thoughts, examine the mind to reward a man, there's that word again, reward, according to his conduct, the conduct of his thinking, according to what his deeds deserve. So when I think like Jesus, I am rewarded. It has eternal implications. And then third, we will be rewarded according to our words. When we speak like Jesus, we will be rewarded. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, But I tell you that a man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. And so that's what it's going to be like. Judgment here is pictured as a fire that tests the quality of what you and I have built into our lives. Some things in our lives are not going to last. Other things um, will. Some things may look nice, even impressive, but don't stand the test of eternity. They're not really important. In the end, what is truly important is what will last. And in the end, watch this. We will see clearly what was really, really, really important in this life. Now, we, many of us spend our lives trying to figure that out. What matters? Who matters? How, and we try to rightly prioritize our lives. Hopefully we do. Hopefully we do. Then we're going to see very, very uh, clearly what uh, mattered. And in the end, we'll be rewarded for what we have built into, what we've invested our life in. You may remember the moving scene at the end of Steven Spielberg's movie Schindler's List. Uh, Oscar Schindler, the Polish businessman uh, who had used a portion of his fortune to, to have the names of Jews put on a work list that could come to work in his enterprises rather than being sent to a concentration camp and their death. At the end, there's this scene where he faces um, and sees the faces and meets all of those who had escaped certain death because of his actions. And as he looks into their faces in a moment of clarity, uh, of of seeing what is really, really valuable, he's moved by it. And in a conversation with his Jewish friend, Itzhak Stern, about what could have been, he says what we're about to see and hear on the screen. Take a look. 
I could have got more. Oscar, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you who could have done. If I made more money. <laughs> I threw away so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. If I just... There will be generations because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Good, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. More people. This pin. Two people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for at least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person is there. I could have got one more person that I didn't. Hmm. He says, What have I done? Why do I keep this car? How about all this money I threw away? What about this pen? Ten more people. Uh, two more people. One more person. See, Schindler at the end was asking the question all of us are going to ask at the end when we show up at that judgment seat for, to be rewarded. Yeah, but 10 more people, one, two more people, one more person. Why? What's, what's important? People. Two things are going to last for eternity, God and people. And God wants as many people with him as, as possible. Now, you, d- you don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to start asking that question. You can start asking now. The good news is we can ask now. We can reprioritize now. We can focus on people, God and people uh, uh, now. Uh, and, you know, God doesn't want you to be motivated by guilt of what you did not do. He wants you on the front end to be motivated by the great reward of what's going to happen on the front end. And on the back, just on the back end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Jesus means when he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, steal and destroy. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, what are treasures in heaven? People. People. People, people, people. And, and there's going to, he said, there are going to be people waiting to welcome you in. Thinking, thank God for you. Thank God for you. Invest in people now. Take your time. Take your treasure. Take your talents, um, your relationships, your responsibilities, and start building into gold and precious stones and silver. It's people. It's the hearts and souls and lives of people enriching their life in in, in this life and increasing the size of heaven with them when they die. Send them to be with, with Christ. Be with Christ and, and you will be greatly rewarded. Unimaginable uh, rewards, the Bible says. And so 
Dogwood Church, let's live that way now. Let's live that way now. Live that way now with great uh, love and gratitude and joy. Now, others of you who are examining the claims of Christ, your question to me might be, well, Pastor, I, I want to choose him in this life now. I want to be there when I leave this world. What must I do? Well, you must do three things that most, many of us in this room have done. You must repent of your sin, believe in Jesus, and confess him publicly as your Lord. So first of all, you must repent of your sin. Well, that means that I recognize I am a sinful... I don't just commit sins. I'm a sinful person. Something's wrong with my heart. And I repent of my sin and turn away from it. It means to turn away and turn to life. I desire to leave it. I grieve it. I want to leave it behind. And I turn to Jesus. And then I believe in Jesus. It means I place my active trust in Jesus and what he accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead as the only sufficient payment for our sin, the only one capable of atoning for my sin and setting me free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin over my life. And one day when I go to be with him, set me free from the very presence of, of sin. We, we repent and we say, Jesus, I not only believe that, you, but I want you and I need you. Take me now. Apply to me personally what you, what you did. And third, you confess him publicly. He said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. He said there's, there's no such thing as a secret follower of Jesus. Now, the way he designed for us to go public with our faith, is through believer's baptism. Uh, you can sign up for that on your Dogwood response card. In fact, you can come next week in our services, both services, Sunday morning, and there are people who are being baptized to declare publicly, I don't care, who knows, I have decided to follow Jesus. Some of you are ready to do that now. So pray with me. I want to lead you through a time of, of prayer. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than he is the words of your mouth. But if these words express the attitude of your heart, you repeat them to the Lord Jesus from your heart after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinful person who needs a Savior. I have sinned with my thoughts and my words and my actions. And I'm sorry And I turn away from my sin in my self-directed life. And to the best of my understanding, I put my trust in you and what you accomplished when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. You be my, you paid the penalty. I'm asking you to apply it to my account. Come into my heart and life as my Savior and forgive me. Come into my heart and life as my Lord, my leader, my God, and take control of my life in eternity. And I commit to follow you as you give me strength for the rest of my life. Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Thank you for making a way for us, not only in this life, but to spend eternity with you in heaven when we die. Thank you that you have placed the desire for heaven in our hearts 
and uh, help us to look forward to heaven with great anticipation as we live lives of full joy in this world. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.